0: Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Pony Stampede podcast. Thanks for listening. I'm Billy Ambadi. We got a few things to get to on the podcast today, but really not much. It's kind of in that waiting period right now as SMU awaits its bold destination. We'll talk a little bit about some of the options out there that SMU could end up at. And we'll also touch on some recruiting tidbits that we can kind of tease for you guys listening on the podcast. We've got more on PonyStampede.com for those tidbits. The staff is out recruiting, in-home visits are going down, Sunny Dykes is on the trail. So there's a lot to follow on Pony Stampede. If you haven't jumped on with a subscri- subscription, take advantage of the Cyber Monday deal going on. Uh, ends later today on Tuesday for you guys. And then from there, we'll also have a, a deal to kind of finish out the rest of the week for current subscribers. And then we'll also have that dollar a month uh, starting point for you guys. So, for just a dollar, you can jump on board with Pony Stampede for your first month. So, check that out. Let's jump right in. SMU defeats Tulane 37 20 over the weekend, and I, we'll just kind of put that game to rest here. I, I thought one, SMU is pretty much in control of that game through the whole matchup. I mean, they jumped out to the 14 0 lead, and yeah, things got close when it was 21 17. In that game at one point and then from there smu did a great job just pulling away closing the door xavier jones had two touchdowns shane Bouchelle had a had a decent day and and from there smu kind of rolled to that victory on senior day securing that 10th win for the first time since 1984 smu won 10 games and since the 60s is the first time that smu went perfect at home a 6-0 and record on that front so look at I think credit to the to the staff for, for really closing the door on Tulane. That's a pesky, well coached Tulane team that came into Ford Stadium, just really, you know, looking to avenge the last two meetings where they lost by a touchdown in, in each game and and in one case, you know, on the last play of the game. So SMU defeats Tulane. Really nice finish this season. And I think it's just important for so many reasons. But the main one is to cement that momentum going into the early signing period, going into the bowl game. And instead of losing three of your last four, you split two and two, which isn't what this team probably thought it was going to do when they got off to that, you know, 7-0, 7-0, 8-0, 9-0 type of start, but or 8-0 start. But it it's just gives this team some confidence. It can let them breathe. Reggie Robertson can get healthy now for the bowl game. and And you can kind of look to that and say, okay, this team is going to be healthy. They're going to be ready to go. Come whatever bowl game they get into, whatever opponent opponent they draw, and they've got a chance to do something pretty special, which is win eleven games. And we don't know the opponent for SMU just yet, and and but there are a couple options that are starting to emerge, and I think two to kind of watch, keep your eye on, uh, is the Birmingham Bowl and the Independence Bowl, and those are kind of the two that have that have kind of at least from what I'm hearing and, and look this stuff is there's really few people that actually know what's going on with all these bowls and all the tie-ins and games impact, impacting what matchup ends up being the matchup but I think SMU is likely to go out of state at this point I don't think they're going to end up in the Frisco Bowl I just don't see that being a destination for them in back-to-back years right now and, and with a 10-2 and record I th- I think that's right I, I don't think that's a bowl game right now that smu is look i think the frisco Bowl would, would want smu in there but other higher quality bowl games are just i think that's kind of where the latest buzz is right now and i know you'll see a lot of projections on the frisco bowl but at least on my end of things i'm not hearing that right now And and look things can change things can kind of go different directions but until that happens i i would not to be setting people's hopes up to be, you know, let down. I, I just don't see that being as the bowl destination right now for SMU. So I think you're going to see them either in the Birmingham or the independence bowl. I think later this week, we'll kind of have an idea. I think the independence bowl is set to announce on Sunday. So we'll have an idea here pretty quickly in the coming days where SMU is headed. So a big positive for SMU there to, to potentially play a high quality opponent. They'll, they'll play a power five opponent and either one of those games, I think Miami is a is kind of a natural fit at the at the Independence Bowl, and I've heard Tennessee at the Birmingham Bowl. So uh, those would be really really high quality matchups for SMU, and two games that I think, especially with Miami, the way they've kind of trended this season, they started hot and didn't really finish very well, but they've also beaten teams like Virginia uh, this season. It would be a, it would be a great great finish out to the season, and also give them an opportunity to win. So we'll be tracking the bowl projections all week, all weekend. Uh, 24-7 Sports has our live bowl projections going. They they started that uh, earlier today, so you can follow that on PonyStampede.com. But look, going into the bowl practices, I think here's the, here's the key you're going to get, and this will help SMU in, in, in 2020, is you get 15 extra practices with this team. And most importantly, these young players, guys that have been redshirting this year, so your Ulysses Bentleys, your Calvin Wiggins, if Kiki Burns is healthy, Donald Clay, Roderick Robertson, guys like that, the offensive linemen like Danielson, Ek, and and Tay Brooks, who's who's kind of been injured uh, for the most part this year, but those guys can all get extra reps. They can get more development, and they can be put in a lot more scrimmage situations. They're not going to be in school, and while they can't practice them to death, they will monitor how much they work. The starters and how much they work, the the key contributors, and and get the the backups and get the red shirts and guys like that extra work. So it is a huge positive for this team to have these bowl practices. SMU's been kind of working on their plan for that, in terms of how they're going to approach it with, you know, potentially a bowl game like the Independence Bowl being on the twenty sixth. You know, how do you approach it with Christmas and and obviously they'll be in Birmingham or in uh, in Shreveport. Uh, potentially over Christmas and kind of handling all of that. So it, it's uh, something they're working on, but I think for the most part, this this team is is really going to be able to to get a lot of work done and develop even more. I, I just think it's such a positive that one SMU hasn't seen in a long time. Obviously, with with getting and I know they went to the Frisco Bowl, but they they were in a total coaching change, so they weren't even able to focus on developing that 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 talent for the next year they were just kind of getting by and preparing this is the first year that you'll get to see Sonny Dykes and 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 this staff be able to just go to work develop these guys and and get them those extra reps that'll that'll help them have an even better spring have them have an even better summer and fall camp and all those things it'll kind of build uh, into into 2020 which will be a big positive so on on the bull front Big, big deal for, for SMU. On the basketball side of things, kind of switching gears before we go to a quick break. They are playing Northwestern State tonight in Moody Coliseum. So I'm not, not going to preview that game for you guys, but a chance for for SMU to, to certainly move on to 8-0, heading into that matchup on Saturday with Georgetown, who just lost two key players. I mean, Josh LeBlanc, as a true freshman last year against SMU, played really well. And then and then Akinji. Uh, <laughs> Akinjo uh, is is another one that that they lost uh, to the transfer portal, James Akinjo. So Georgetown kind of going through a rough patch here as a team, and and Akinjo is somebody who's been scoring in double figures, thirty one assists on the year, and so it, it's uh, those are two big losses. and And look for SMU, it's kind of a negative in a way because I think the way SMU's playing, they would have had a chance to certainly beat. Georgetown and the way they are with a with a 4 and 3 record um, on the season but they this this could hurt their quality of win now uh, e- even more so than than just kind of playing an average Georgetown team but if SMU takes care of business against Northwestern State tonight I expect a good crowd for from Moody on Saturday there's no football game now with SMU having not made the AAC title game and all of that but a late tip and and I think people will come out and kind of support the team who's who's going to be gunning for nine and zero on Saturday. So I think SMU is going to be able to take care of business tonight against Northwestern State. I don't think Ethan Shagwa is going to play much, if at all. I think they're going to try to hold him out for the Georgetown game and and get him fully healthy and ready to go. Still haven't had word on Darius McNeil's waiver yet, and so we'll continue to monitor that. But look, overall, I, I think it's uh, I think it's just kind of setting up for for. A, uh, Somewhat of a statement on Saturday for, for SMU now with those two players off of Georgetown's team and, and Galen Alexander also off of that team too uh, with with kind of the off the court issues that are going down with with Georgetown right now. So uh, SMU basketball I, I wouldn't shock me at all if by the end of this weekend they they continue to be undefeated and, and I think you'll see them pop into the AP top twenty five potentially uh, next next Monday when when that's released they received a vote this this week so. We'll continue to follow, obviously, SMU basketball, keep it locked on Pony Stampede for that. But we're going to take a quick break from the Pony Stampede podcast. On the other side of this break, we're going to talk a little recruiting, kind of where things stand, what to expect uh, in this month of December as the coaching staff hits the road, and more on the early signing period and kind of some key targets to watch. Welcome back to the Pony Stampede podcast. Thanks for listening. Jumping into the recruiting side of things, we've dropped a ton of information on PonyStampede.com about top targets. I did a fresh class predictions piece. So if you haven't seen that, check it out on PonyStampede.com. There's a lot to go through and there will continue to be as the staff hits the recruiting trail. And without giving away a lot of information, here's kind of some of the guys I continue to see as, as some top targets down the stretch for SMU. And so let's jump into the offensive side of the ball. For me, there's two spots left on the offensive side. I think you're done at running back. You're done at tight end. You're done at quarterback. You're, you're done at offensive line for sure with seven committed at that position. And so you're really gunning for receivers. And right now I would say uh, Marshall, Texas, wide receiver, Savion Williams has kind of emerged as this top, top target. Somebody that they're heavily in the mix for and they're battling a couple other schools for, but I think SMU is really one to watch here. He's six five, two hundred 6'5", 200-pounder. He's a four-star on 24-7 sports. He had a monster senior year playing quarterback for the Mavs over there in East Texas. And he's somebody that's going to play receiver at the next level and, and would bring a lot of size to the position for, for SMU. And and some. I think somebody that, as he transitions back to wide receiver at the next level, could be a redshirt candidate. And and I think that's a positive too because I like the way SMU's handling and developing its wide receivers right now. You got Calvin Wiggins a red shirt, which is a, a pretty big premium, I think. And and Calvin's even somebody that could emerge in the bowl game too, if if, if you know they want to use that last game for him, spell Reggie Robertson at times and give him a rest. We've seen Rasheed Rice emerge, caught a touchdown against against Navy and and had a couple of big catches against against Tulane as well. So. Savion Williams would be a monster land. I think he'd be one of the highest rated commits ever on on 24-7 for SMU. He'd be right up there. He's not incredible in the composite, but I think you'll see that bump up a bit as people get a look at his senior film in depth. And so watch SMU for Savion Williams. They've done a lot of good work, and there's uh, some tidbits on the board about him as well that you can check out. Uh, if you're a VIP subscriber another one to watch continues to be Beaumont Westbrook wide receiver Thad Johnson he's teammates with SMU defensive end commit Jay Bell he's really somebody that a lot of buzz around SMU I mean about a month ago I was pretty close to putting in a crystal ball pick for SMU to land him he's somebody that has continued to stay in contact with the staff and has been really really strong in terms of his interest in the program he kind of keeps things close to the vest but like I said, I like where SMU stands for him. They're battling some big boys there for him as well. Uh, and and we'll have to kind of fend them off if they want to get him on board in this class. But we haven't seen him pop up on any other official visits right now. I think Utah is somebody to watch in, in this race. Oregon is somebody to watch. There, there's a few other schools to kind of watch for him. But he's coming off yet another impressive season. He's risen up the rankings on 24-7 sports. He's a top, top 85 wide receiver nationally. The composite has him right there as well. So another guy that would be highly rated in the class for SMU. I'd watch Thad Johnson at the receiver position. And then Danny Gray, the Berlin College wide receiver who's committed to TCU. Look, here's some things to know. SMU has been on Danny Gray a long time now. And TCU got him committed uh, earlier in, in, in June and, and got him on board early as a junior college prospect, which is really impressive. He's a Dallas native and somebody that, you know, I think um, coming out of high school out of James Madison was, was highly regarded as well. But right now he's committed to the Frogs, but SMU has not let up. They've continued to push for him. I think they're in as good of a spot as anybody to get the flip done and he would be a monster addition to replace James Prochet right away and kind of step in. You'd have Rasheed Rice, Reggie Robertson and Danny Gray next year kind of as your three big big time players and and the the amount of speed Danny Gray has at 6'1 180. I mean, that is that is awesome. I mean, he is a sub uh, 100 100 meter guy, sub 1100 meter guy. So he's got that elite speed that you really really liked. 10 9 was what he ran his senior year of high school. So I'm watching Danny Gray here really, really closely. I think it's going to be interesting to see how SMU approaches Danny Gray, Bad Johnson, Savion Williams, because I think they've got about two spots left, but they're in good positions for all of them. So what happens with that position is going to be really, really critical to the future of the SMU offense, of how things end up working out at that position. and And they might have a tough decision to make. We'll just kind of have to monitor it. Defensively, I think somebody that SMU might be fading for a little bit is corner Jacorian Bennett. He's out of Hutchinson Community College, somebody that has taken an official visit to SMU back in the summer. He's taken some Power 5 official visits as of late. Mississippi State's kind of a notable one there. He's maintained that he's not really looking at the level of play, but just as things have kind of gone, gone along here, I think SMU just might be fading for him. The thing to watch will be, then what does SMU do for a corner? Because they do need to shore up that position. They have some seniors graduating. They lose Robert Hayes, guys like that. So they need a veteran to come in. I think they'd hit the transfer portal in that respect to kind of shore up that position. And and we'll kind of see how they would approach that. But they do need a corner to come in to to some degree and and play and contribute and, and do so at a high level. Because, look, when Armani Johnson went down with that hammy, that was a pretty big difference maker, and you, you, they, they kind of rotated, and you can tell he wasn't 100%. He wasn't the player he was early in the year making play after play after that injury, and hamstrings suck. So you need defensive backs. You need corners. You need some depth at that position. They've got to get another corner in this class, and however they do it, we'll have to see. But right now I'm not not so sold on Ja'Cory and Bennett being that guy. One guy I think that's trending in the right way for SMU is Devere Levelson. He's Tyler Jr. College, defensive end, defensive tackle. He's 6'4", 255. They like him all over, but I can see him being a quick defensive tackle that Kaz Kazati can put some weight on and get him up to around 280 and and allow him to play at that weight and be productive. And again, shore up a defensive line that's losing seniors like Zach Abercumbria, Demerick Gary, Chris Biggers, Pono Davis. And while there's some talent In that room, they need a veteran guy to come in and kind of round things out there. And then we'll kind of watch what they do from there. That's kind of the guy that I feel most confident about right now on the defensive tackle front to to end up in this class. Another one to watch, and we've talked about it a a little bit, is uh, Robert Wooten. He recently decommitted from Missouri. His teammate is Marcus Smith, who's committed to the Mustangs on the offensive line. He's somebody that, look, he committed to Arizona, he committed to Mizzou, but he might very well end up at SMU, which is a school that he named his leader early on in his recruitment. SMU's continued to stay in contact with him. he's He's been talking to current players. He's been talking to the coaches. So things are kind of trending the right way there for SMU to kind of backdoor their way into landing Robert Wooten. He does want to sign early, from what I heard, so he wants to have his recruitment done, and Look, if they can get him up on campus for an unofficial visit, all bets are off. And I think SMU set up to, to have a big splash at the defensive end position, whether it's Robert Wooten or Kari Coleman out of New Orleans. It, it's, it's kind of a win-win. If you get one of those two guys, that solidifies your defensive end spot for the next few years, along with Jay bell and Mason Mastrop being there as, as versatile guys that can rush the passer. You can get a Robert Wooten or a Kari Coleman in this class, that is a big-time recruiting land. And, and whether it's Coleman, who you flip from Kansas and beat out some SEC-type teams for, like Tennessee or Vanderbilt, or Robert Wooten, who has had power a ton of Power 5 opportunities and there's going to be teams wanting him late, it's a win-win. And so sometimes just staying in there, having great relationships pays off. So those are two guys to watch at defensive end, Kari Coleman and Robert Wooten on that front. And we'll kind of continue to track how things – trend with those guys but a lot of positivity right now on the recruiting trail and look outside of dimitri jordan they haven't landed that next commitment yet but i have a feeling they're just getting close it's somebody that's going to end up kind of popping this thing wide open and and getting things going for a strong finish down the stretch here for for this program and there's there's a lot of momentum and and it'll be interesting to see kind of how they work out the numbers how they work things out with with a lot of these guys who are high on the program so We'll be tracking it all on PonyStampede.com, that's for sure. And so keep it locked on Pony Stampede, whether you want Sunny Dykes in-home visits, whether you want where all the coaches are, the reactions to those in-home visits, official visitors that SMU is expected to host coming up. We'll have all of that for you guys on PonyStampede.com. So don't miss out. You can get on board for a month for just a buck, or take advantage of these last few hours of Cyber Monday and get on board with a Pony Stampede subscription. off our annual subscriptions. A lot of people have taken advantage of that. We've grown a ton. So thank you to everybody who's signed up. That'll do it for this edition of the podcast. Later in the week, we'll jump on board with with another pod with your subscriber questions. We'll also talk SMU basketball, kind of see where things stand entering the Georgetown uh, game. And I'm sure there'll be a lot more recruiting to talk as we get closer to the early signing period in December as SMU looks to close out the 2020 class strong. So with that, guys, thanks for listening. I'm Billy Umbody. We'll catch you next time on the Pony Stampede podcast.